listening to the song Fired Up by Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses. It's the latest single off the album Rebel Songs, which is available now on Iodine Recordings. The reason you are listening to it right now, though, is because the vinyl for this record is up for pre-sale at iodinerecords.com. Nathan Gray actually used to be the frontman of the band Boy Sets Fire, and now here he is writing Springsteen-tinged punk rock that'll please your ears as well as encourage you to make this world a better place. Available on blue and white with pink splatter or purple and black swirl, not only will the record sound great, it's probably going to look nice, maybe, uh, maybe a little nicer than some of the other records in your collection. Who knows? You can also grab a copy on CD and cassette. Uh, the record is estimated to ship in late July, but pre-order is on now, so don't miss out at iodinerecords.com. At that time of my life, when I when I found that record, I was just like, "Yeah, this is like this is this is perfect." I just really connected to it for some reason. It was like dark and like mean, but also kind of like tongue in cheek and funny. At least that's how I was taking it. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. This week's episode, I am discovering You Vandal with singer and guitar player Eric Cannon. You Vandal is a pop-punk band with hints of emo and post-hardcore from Gainesville, Florida. We discuss some songs that influenced Eric in his songwriting and musicianship. We also talk about three songs from their latest record, Pretend I Don't Exist, which is out now on Jumpstart Records. Uh, make sure you go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod. Instagram and Twitter is where you'll find us. You'll also find the links to uh, mine and Aaron's personal Instagram and Twitter's and the links there. You can uh, go support us on Patreon. Two bucks a month in general support helps keep the show going. You know, pay for things like our Zoom account, stuff like that. Uh, you can also buy some merch. Of course, all of these things are linked in the show notes. They're also linked in our social media bios. So if you want to find some stuff, maybe a t-shirt, a mug, what have you, uh, you can find it all there. And real quick, if you're a collector of punk and hardcore vinyl and you live in Canada, you got to check out our buds at Northern Scene. They're here to help you secure some of your favorite records without paying an arm and a leg to ship them. We've all been there. If you live in Canada and you collect vinyl, you're, you know, adding something to your cart, you go to checkout and you see that shipping has now doubled, if not more, the price of that record. Northern Scene is here to help. You can save 15% on your next order by using the promo code Growing Up. That's all one word, all lowercase, Growing Up at northernscene.net. Or you can follow the link in the show notes here, which will automatically apply the promo code. Uh, of course, they're carrying releases from Revelation Records, Iodine Recordings, Convulse Records, Safe Inside, and more. So you're bound to come out with a haul. That's at northernscene.net. You can also follow them on Instagram at northernscene.store. Let's not waste any more time with housekeeping and me rambling on by myself. Let's get into this. This is my conversation with Eric Cannon, singer and guitar player, discovering You Vandal. (laughs) 
I guess let's go back to the beginning. Do you remember the first band or the first uh, album, song, whatever, that kind of introduced you to the world of punk and hardcore? Uh, well, the easy instinctual answer is Blink-182. Nice. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I had heard, like, Green Day and Offspring before that, uh, and it was it was cool, I guess, but nothing really clicked for me the same way as yeah. seeing, like, What's My Age Again on TRL, like, over the summer at my friend's house. And that that was what, you know, opened up the gateway and, and took me down the rabbit hole. So that was kind of, so Enema of the State is sort of the era that got you into pop punk and stuff like that? Uh, yeah. Um, that was like the first album I had that I just, you know, played the crap out of on repeat yeah. nonstop over <laughs> and over and over again. And then once I got into that, then like the CDs I had from Green Day and Offspring, I had like a new appreciation for right. Yeah, and then going through like the the thank yous uh, mm-hmm. inside the the liner notes of Enema, just like going through every band listed there, <laughs> uh, and like that those were like the Napster days. So it was just me as like a, a middle schooler, uh, just on Napster in my room, looking up yeah. every band that was on the thank yous of Enema of the State. Man, that's that's I I kind of miss that sort of element to discovering new music. Like now, obviously, you have social media, and that's probably you know my two ways that I discover new music is through social media and then through, um, you know, kind of like in Apple music or Spotify or whatever, when they're just suggesting other artists. Right. But yeah, uh, that you might like, but man, do I miss the days of yeah pouring through the liner notes and just being like, Oh, who's this band? What's this band? That's kind of cool. So, um, yeah, well, that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. What was it about blink? I guess that attracted you that, that hooked you, opposed to you know like you mentioned having green day and the offspring cds like what was it about blink that set them apart i guess i mean i don't know i don't really know if i can put a finger on it um i mean i automatically liked enema of the state and then that made me go download all the the older albums and then when the the live record came out Mm -hmm. and finding out that i mean Funny is subjective, I guess, but like now, maybe not as as funny as it was to me, like in ninth grade or something, listening to uh, the Mark, Tom, and Travis show CD and right. all the <laughs> stupid banter and everything, and just yeah. uh, laughing my ass off with earphones on the school bus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like I think I don't know. There was just something like fun about it, and and light and poppy, and the two singers thing was something that I'd never really experienced yeah. before yeah, yeah um yeah i don't know maybe and maybe like going back and watching the what's my age again video or even like the all my small thing all the small things video like yeah. very like bright poppy colors so it was like eye candy ear candy like the whole experience yeah they definitely were like you know obviously blink were and still are to an extent like a fun band right like um yeah and th- those videos were definitely memorable and like just comparing them to because i'm trying to think if anima came out before americana from the offspring they're kind of i feel like they're around the same time uh no, I think Ameri- came second yeah so i think same. i had americana and yeah. didn't didn't click for me the same until after I after I got into Enema. Yeah, well, because like they were obviously doing, you know, the Offspring were kind of doing some goofy stuff with, you know, like Pretty Fly for a White Guy and stuff like that with their videos. But they right. definitely felt different. I like I, I kind of agree. And obviously, Blink One Eighty Two being you know sort of the band that kind of 
launched pop punk that 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 era i guess you could say into the stratosphere is understandable but do you remember any bands going through the liner notes that you just kind of like jumped on that that blew your mind when you first heard them or was it just so much overload downloading all those different bands um i think i mean i can't remember everything that was in those liner notes but a, a lot of fat bands were in there yeah um and i like a lot of like southern california epitaph bands too so yeah. that was like a whole period for a few years um but less than jake was in there and less than jake was uh definitely a big deal to me so yeah. less than jake was probably probably the most notable one i found in the liner notes and again like the two singers very yeah. fun i like yeah. the energy and i was very much into ska in in high school so that yeah. they kind of contributed to that it was kind of like the the halfway point of they had ska but a lot of times they especially on later records they didn't necessarily feel like sure. a, a, a ska band per se yeah yeah okay well let's get into speaking of bands let's get into your band uh, a little bit so um i don't know exactly like it's funny i should be able to remember because it was literally last month um, at the time of recording this, but, uh, I don't remember how I heard about you guys. Uh, it was through the new record and it must've been just a post on social media that, uh, it kind of like came up and I went, Oh, I should check this out because, uh, the, the band name kind of caught my eye and the artwork sort of caught my eye too. I was like, all right, let's, uh, I mean, there's so much new music coming out each week. I'm like, let's, let's check it out. And I was, I was immediately hooked by it. But what was funny is that I actually received an email uh, as I was like, it wasn't the first time I was listening to you guys. I was like going back and listening to the new album and I get this email with a request for an interview. And I'm like, I'm going to take that as a sign that as this email, <laughs> you know, pings my phone, I'm literally listening to the album halfway through it. I'm like, yep, we're doing this. Like no questions. Uh, let's, when can we kind of get this done? And, uh, but imagine my surprise when I go and I check you guys out further on Apple music and find out that, oh, there's actually, you know, four full-length albums, all these EPs. Like, <laughs> you guys have been doing it for a while. So um, take us back, I guess, to the beginning of the band, if, you, if you've if you got that information stored, you know, kind of how you guys came together. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the growth, because the, the sound has changed a little bit over the years. Uh, it's been refined a little bit. But, yeah, let's – how did the band initially come together? Um, so I – to Gainesville uh, to go to the uh, university here and uh, one of the things I was most excited about uh, coming to Gainesville was like against me was from here less than Jake was from here hot water music yeah. was from here yep. and I thought like I'm just gonna go there and I'm gonna like start a band immediately and, and meet <laughs> all these people <clears throat> but I was uh, kind of reserved in my college years and didn't really venture out that much uh, and like toward the end I started a little bit but there was a, a website at the time that was gainesvillebands.com mm -hmm. and they had like a forum on there for uh, uh, like connecting people that, you know, were in search of a bass player, you know, trying to start a band, that sort of thing. Um, and I want to say, I think it was a post I made. I think I made a post with like a playlist that I embedded of like, this is everything I'm into right, right. now. Uh, I can play guitar. I can play bass. Uh, I've sung in bands, but not like as a singer, like a lead singer, but I can kind of do that. I think, uh, <laughs> and like, here's the gear I have. <clears throat> and, uh, Alex, who's was our guitar player is now our bass player. Mm -hmm. Uh, he hit me up. He's like, Hey, some guys from 
this band I was in that's just ending, like we're trying to get a few new people in to replace the old people, start a new band. Um, would you want to come uh, try out for us? So I recorded a couple songs. I think I recorded myself like acapella singing shoulder to the wheel and uh, like intro from newfound glory's okay. uh, catalyst album. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were talking about doing like a, a like a screamy, maybe like hardcore influenced uh, okay. thing was maybe the direction they were going. So I was trying to get some scream stuff off of that, that intro part. Um, they liked it. They had me come out. Uh, I think we, I think we might've played shoulder to the wheel live. I think they were covering shoulder to the wheel at that time. That was their idea. They wanted to cover shoulder to the wheel. So that's why I recorded that song. That's what we sang when I went out there and they're like, okay, we'll let you know. Uh, and then like, as I'm like leaving the the house, like they called me immediately and they're like, or texted, I don't know what it was, but they're like, Hey, would you want to do this? I'm like, yeah, sure. So they were, they were, they were looking for a standalone singer and yeah. I've never done that before. Um, so for like the first year, that's what it was. It was like a five piece and I was just, a uh, uh, just singing in it. Sure. So was, uh, was the name of the band taken from the saves the day song? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, 100%. It was like, uh, the name of the old band that they had was called like the downtown Bonanza and, <laughs> and like all their URLs, like Bonanza was wrong. And I'm like, I can't, can't do this. Like we gotta, <laughs> gotta pick a new name. So it was, uh, I think I had a band with some high school friends where we couldn't agree on a name. We all just like listed a bunch of song titles by bands that we liked mm-hmm. and, are you getting me all right? It's saying yeah. internet connection and stable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, listed off songs from bands that we liked and then like picked ones that we thought were, were cool names. So I, yeah. I suggested that idea and we did it. And there were a couple different saves the day songs on there. And we wound up going with you battle. Yeah. Well, and I, I going back and listening to, uh, that first record, especially I was, I was mentioning, you know, kind of a progression and refining of sound because that first one sounds very much like a band influenced by saves the day. And I like immediately I was drawn to it. Cause I was like, Oh man, I yeah. love like this sound just reminds me of the late nineties, early two thousands. Like, and it's, um, whereas now I think you've kind of like those influences are still there clearly, but at the same point, yeah, you've definitely got more of, a well-rounded sound, which I think we'll get into a little bit talking about some of the, uh, some of the influences you brought up. So let's, let's get into those songs. The first one that uh, you mentioned was the Aquabats, the story of nothing. But I remember 
So I will say this, you're in this series of episodes that we've done, uh, you know, kind of just discover, we've called it the discovering series and we're talking to bands and kind of getting their influences and then talking about their, some of their songs. And, uh, this is the first ska song to come up. So, yeah. So as long, as far as I can remember, I I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure in all the episodes I put together, this is the only ska song I can remember. Um, so Tell me a little bit about uh, the Aquabats. Do you remember when you first heard them? What kind of uh, brought you to them? Was it the Travis Barker being in Blink sort of thing, or I, I think it might have been. It's it's it was definitely like freshman year of high school, um, and I think I think I was already into into ska at that point and mm-hmm. had started making friends in school that were also into ska right. and just taking each other uh, further down that road. And I think it might have been it either was like oh did you know that did you know that travis barker used to play in a ska band or it might have been one of us had had heard of it and not the other and we were trying to introduce one another to it um but i remember we downloaded pool party and which isn't really even like that much of a ska song mm-hmm. uh but we thought it was as ninth graders we thought it was hilarious and we're <laughs> like we we have to go to Best Buy right now. We have to go buy the CD that it's on. So my first my first Aquabat CD was actually that Myths, Legends or whatever, which is not a whole lot of Scots, like a bunch of like random songs that, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they're special to me because it was my my first album from them, but they aren't necessarily the best Aquabat songs. Right. Um, and then just the humor of it uh, uh, pulled me in, uh, but they were also really catchy songs. And then I started... Uh, going back and getting their, their other albums uh, and some of their albums after that, even, even now, like their most recent album, yeah. I listened to it, uh, you know, in the past year, a few times. And I was like, this is actually still pretty good. <laughs> They're like out of my whole ska phase, you would think this would be the band that it's like, Oh, this is stupid. Like you can't go back and revisit it, but it actually holds up a lot better for me than, than a lot of the other ska bands. I don't know what it is. Like the songs are really catchy. It's, yeah. it's fun. Uh, I think, I think, their writing is really funny when it's not just completely arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, story of nothing. I feel like I was trying to, I wanted to pick a song that was a ska song and I went back and forth between a few different bands, but uh, the Aquabats, like I said, is one that's just kind of stuck with me and the, the, the ska influence for me 
personally in terms of like this new album would be just the concept of uh, if there's not singing going on, there's like horns going on, yeah. like nonstop melody stuff, uh, just kind of revisiting ska uh, years later and realizing like, oh, when I sang along to these, I, I wasn't just singing along to the words. I was singing along to the horn parts too yeah, yeah. and just nonstop sing along stuff. So we don't have horns, obviously, but trying to have good melodies throughout and then uh, in the instrumental parts, like having a solo or having a, a mm. guitar lead part that's also, you know, you can sing along to it. Hopefully. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, when you went through, you mentioned a ska phase. What were you listening to just a ton of ska bands? Like, cause like ska is a, a, a subgenre or a genre, I guess that there's only like a handful of bands that I really ever got into. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, I, I mean, the Aquabats were one that I kind of like, you know, like checked out strictly because of the Travis Barker thing. And then you right. know, the, over the years, like that was it Yo Gabba Gabba. Is that the name of their show? Um, the kids show. Yeah. 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 Which I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Uh, but I was always more into like, you mentioned less than Jake or like mad caddies were probably like my biggest, my, you know, I guess favorite ska band. But <clears throat> so were you, were you into a bunch of different ska bands? Uh, yeah, uh, less than Jake, uh, a lot of stupid ones that like people, yeah. a lot of stupid third wave ones, uh, not that less than Jake is one of those, but like real big fish, <laughs> Aquabats right. oh, uh, yeah. were big for me. Uh, yeah. mad caddies on the, uh, I can't remember the name of the album. The one with drinking for 11, uh, that uh, was, that came out when I was like a sophomore in high school right. and thought that album was amazing. The, yeah. the name of it escapes me right now, but that one I was really into Mad Caddies for a while. Yeah. I would just look up like any ska band I I heard of and um, would would download an album from them. Yep, <laughs> and yep. uh, that when I was younger, I would I would like even if it didn't catch me on the first listen, I would. And this goes for like all sorts of music. If it didn't catch me on the first listen, I would kind of like play it over and over again, and then eventually yeah. find something to like about it. Yeah. Um, but less than Jake, Real Big Fish, Aquabats were probably the ones that that stuck with me the most uh, uh catch 22 as well catch sure. keys that keys be nights album i almost yeah. picked almost oh, picked nice. one of those yeah yeah um you were in that kind of discussion you reminded me the hippos were another like, oh yeah, band yeah, yeah that i was they they what was the they had a song about getting a speeding ticket i think <laughs> or something along those lines that i really liked that i remember having on a compilation and then going and and buying the record but uh yeah i had a uh, heads are gonna roll uh yeah, i think was yeah. the name of their album and that yeah. that one i was really into for a while too yeah um yeah i was i was playing and i was trying to start my own ska band for yeah. a few years in high school joined the existing uh ska band that was at my high school and did that for even like a year or two after high school yeah um yeah it and then kind of Think about the time when I got into a Wilhelm scream, like a Wilhelm scream kind of like shifted uh, everything a little bit yeah. uh, darker <laughs> uh, sure. for me. And then I couldn't really, for a long time, I couldn't go back <laughs> and look at Real Big Fish the same way. So that's I, I well, and, break. and that's the thing about ska, I find, is that like I find it hard to go back unless I'm in a very specific frame of mind or you know like the classic like i'm hanging out on my back deck in the summer sort of thing right like there's yeah there's specific things that make me want to listen to ska but let's talk about because you mentioned them let's move on you you uh shared the song 
uh, by a Wilhelm scream, less bright eyes, more deicide. Is that, I think I said that right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, we call it slanderous. It takes a man to cry. But I just put a brick through every bird's nest. Take me out to the parking lot. I find battery is dead. Romance is snatched. You never wanted to touch me when I was worthless. Get it while I'm sick with this. Why knuckle grip on the world? Well, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I tried to love you, but I hate you all. I'm losing it all. Trees are born to die. Joy will vaporize The numbers have been crunched Yes, we're all fucked Take me out to the parking lot I'm fine Battery is dead Romance is dead You never wanted to touch me When I was worthless Get it while I'm sick With this white knuckle grip on the world Well, I'm losing it I'm losing it I tried to love you But I hate you all So what what is it about this song that that made you want to pick it that it, you know as as an influence? Uh, it's I mean maybe not specifically this song. This is just one of my favorite Wilhelm Scream songs. Um, but them as a band, I feel like I I got into them on this album that uh, Less Bright Eyes is on uh, the mm. Ruiner album. Uh, that was and again that was one that it didn't really catch me on the first listen. And then listened to it a bunch. And then once I sat down with it and read the lyrics, I was like, I'm hooked. Like, this has me. Yeah. Uh, and then that became like the album at that time that I was playing over and over and over and over again. Um, and just, you know, Real Big Fish was capable of, of writing like uh, a, a clever fuck you song. Yeah. Um, or like other pop punk bands could could write something uh, uh with some grit to it or whatever um or like saves the day and alkaline trio would have some of the more uh gruesome lyrics but out of wilhelm scream just it felt like smart and dark uh yeah. and also kind of funny in in ways um and something that just drew me in so i wasn't really into that type of technical like a lot of guitar stuff going on yeah. um a band here and there i'd be into so the reason i had a hard time getting into it is just felt like there was so much going on guitar wise so much going on vocal wise i couldn't really process all of it uh but then once i sat down with the lyrics and really got into it then it kind of increased my uh appreciation for that for that type of thing yeah they're uh they're a band that's relatively new to me in the sense that like i've known about them for a long time um 
and I, I've had friends that are like, dude, you got to check out a Wilhelm scream. And then just for you know one reason or another, I just haven't until two things that happened. One, I was, uh, so are you a fan of propaganda at all? Uh, propaganda. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was there. There's a podcast about propaganda called, um, oh, what the heck? Unscripted Moments. And uh, so I was listening to that at one point, and I was sitting there going, "Man, I really want to listen to something that, you know, has the lyrical depth of a band like Propaganda, because I mean, obviously they're very well known for their technical side and just like the stuff they sing about, right? Like you go into that, right. you go into those albums, and you're going to learn something basically." <laughs> um, so I'm like, I want something that has the lyrical depth of a propaganda, but with something that, you know, has a delivery closer to say like face to face, face to face is one of my all time favorite bands. And, uh, and so someone had suggested a Wilhelm scream and I'd say like, they're definitely closer to propaganda than they are to face to face, but they're kind of getting into that. They're a little more melodic than propaganda for sure. Um, which is makes it a little easier to digest, I must say. But, uh, <laughs> and then also with their upcoming album, uh, like having being around, you know, and, and aware of an album before it's coming out often, you know, helps me get into bands sometimes too. So, um, but yeah, they're they're definitely a a solid band from anything and everything that I've listened to them. Uh, but you're right, like sometimes like the technical side, just like there's so much. It's you have to take time to digest it. Uh, yeah. And I mean, not so much at the time, it felt like there was a lot going on in Ruiner, but then after Ruiner, like career suicide and even more so after that, like they just kept stepping it up, stepping it up, stepping it up and getting crazier yeah. and crazier with it. So like Ruiner for me, uh, the lyrics really, uh, drew me in. Um, mm -hmm. and then just like the vocals stacked on vocals. Yeah. Uh, I think they had, uh, like Nuno singing lead Trevor, as kind of like a taking back Sunday, like second guy coming in here and there. And then uh, their bass player at the time, I can't remember his name, was like singing low harmonies on just everything all the way throughout. And that, that's new bass player now, but like uh, still the same kind of arrangement that they do. Like yeah. just three people singing, stacks on stacks on stacks. Um, but like they made me want to write like cooler, better lyrics. Uh, mm. They made me... They made me want to like be better at guitar, um, and uh, yeah, it's just like the, on less bright eyes, just lines like I just threw a brick through every bird's nest, or like the numbers have been crunched, we're all fucked. Like yeah. just at that time in my life when I when I found that record, I was just like, yeah, this is like this is this is perfect. I just really connected to it for some reason. It was like yeah. dark and like mean, but also kind of like tongue-in-cheek and funny at least that's how i was taking it mm. um and it kind of checked a, a bunch of boxes for me yeah well you're working like all the uh segues here because you mentioned taking back sunday uh which <laughs> <is> <laughs> another song that you brought was taking back sunday you know how i do
this uh, this band will forever kind of hold a place for me. Like they were when this record came out. Uh, of course, this comes off of "Tell All Your Friends." Like it was one of those ones for myself was on repeat. I can just like it. It came out was it two thousand one or two thousand two? Whenever I was in high school, yeah. Uh, I just remember driving around with friends, listening to this at full volume, back to back with like "Enema of the State" as you brought up earlier. But um, so taking back Sunday, this this is it this particular song is there something that's kind of inspiration for you or influential? Because I mean the the vocals that you were just mentioning on Wilhelm scream like the back and forth that's obviously something that gets played out in in your music uh so is there something from this song in particular though that that influenced you um i, I mean it, again just like one of my favorite taking back sunday songs uh and not necessarily one of my favorite bands of all time or anything but like yeah. similar to you this album was was a big deal to me at the time Mm -hmm. um and while i think the takeaway as far as the new album goes uh from a wilhelm scream yeah all those things i listed about lyrics and wanting to be a better guitar player like that's for me personally i think wilhelm as far as the new album goes just the concept of uh less is not more more is more uh that's that's kind of what wilhelm contributed uh to this new album but taking back sunday uh, now that we have like a second vocalist in the band that we didn't really have before, uh, I've always liked bands with two vocalists, but uh, I always wanted them both to be on the song. You know, you yeah. didn't really get that as much uh, in certain eras of Blink or Less Than Jake or or Hot Water Music. Like there'd be stuff where they're both singers are singing, but a lot of times it felt like, you know, this is a Mark song, this is a Tom yeah. song, this is a Chuck song, this yeah. is a Chris song, sort of a thing. And I loved when they would both feel like they had a equal or semi-equal presence in the uh, uh, in the song. And Taking Back Sunday, I feel like has has always kind of done a, a good job of that, where the second vocalist is is bobbing and weaving mm-hmm. in, in like almost every song. Yeah. Um, so that was that was the big influence as far as the new U Vandal album goes is arranging stuff, whether it be harmonies or back and forths or uh like call and response uh holding out notes over one another like the uh you know how i do chorus um you know the back and forth but like one singer is holding the line above or below when the other one's coming in um all that kind of stuff is just I, i love it yeah uh taking back sunday was kind of the first band that i'm sure other bands did it like uh i mean like fugazi did it to a certain extent between Guy and Ian, like kind of a bit of the back and forth thing at times. Um, but like taking back Sunday was that first one that I, that for sure hooked me in that regard where it's like, Whoa, I don't know if I've ever heard anything like this before where, you know, I heard people describe it as like the two singers are having a conversation, which I don't, I don't know how well that necessarily plays out when you look at the lyrics but yeah. <laughs> at the same point, like I get what they're saying, right? Like there is that constant sort of back and forth. Um, and even then when like John Nolan initially left the band and Fred joined the band, like they just kept it going. Right. Like, and, uh, writing incredible songs. Eventually, obviously both guys kind of, it just dropped back to Adam being, you know, kind of one singer for an album or two there. And it definitely felt different, but, uh, they have consistently been one of, uh, one of those bands that have held it down for me that I just like, I can go back to 
at any point in time. Um, but yeah, do we want to get into the songs off the new record? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, so the first one that uh, we're, we're I'm, I tried to put these in order of how they play on the record, so we'll work through it that way. So the first one is Cake. It's the opening track off of uh, Pretend I Don't Exist. song um we featured it recently on an episode uh where we were just kind of recapping some of our favorite releases from uh from february and so when when this one came on it's just like the chorus is an absolute like i don't know all the words to the chorus and i don't think lyrics are on i couldn't find lyrics for it online but 
immediately I can just like start humming and singing along to it. Like it's so, it's so super catchy. Um, and that, you know, going back to the talking about taking back Sunday and sort of like the back and forth vocal sort of thing, like that's obviously featured pretty heavily on the chorus of this song. Um, but what, uh, what made you in particular pick this song? Uh, I just felt like, uh, I think it was one of the first songs that we, we had written for this record. And I think we, we actually might've had it around a little bit longer than, uh, before we even started writing Mm. specifically for this record, but we had it in our pocket and kind of felt like this is an opening song, no matter what else we write for this record, we think this is going to be the opening song. Uh, and I feel like, like you mentioned, I felt like it was a good example of the taking back Sunday influence and kind of what I was mentioning with a Wilhelm scream of, of the less is not more, more is more. Um, it, you know, not written directly with, with a Wilhelm in in mind, but I can listen to that song and say like, uh, yeah, if anyone compares this to a Wilhelm scream, I can completely understand why, Uh, Mm. especially towards the end with like both of us going at the same time. I think Gucci's Gucci's original part at the end had him like tapping, which very, the whole, like, both singers at once, like tapping going on, uh, big outro, uh, yeah. throwing everything in with the uh, kitchen sink. Uh, very, very well home to me. Uh, so that's that's kind of why I picked it. And uh, I think I think people will will respond to it if, if they listen to it. Um, yeah. And I think I listened to you guys talk about it. Uh, someone, I think Gooch maybe had uh, heard it on your uh, okay, yeah. episode. Yeah. And so I went and listened to it and someone might have been you, it might have been your, your co host mentioned yeah. uh uh the John Locke thing. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't tell me what I can't do. One hundred percent uh uh John Locke from John Locke. That's Hilarious. that's a lost reference. That's, that's amazing, like, yeah. We've we've got like stuff like that that you I mean, you might not know it just from hearing it, but I'll I'll throw in stupid like T V one liners. So that's definitely like a, a Lawrence Arms influence. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was Aaron that mentioned He's like it. Just it reminds me of John Locke from Lost, and uh, yeah, then we got intentional. We got, that's awesome. That's perfect. I'm glad he picked up on that. Um, I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know if he picked up on it. Going like that's got to be <laughs> what it is versus just being that's what it reminded him of. But uh, yeah, no, that, that. And it's funny because like that's the only line in the chorus that I could really pick out. Like, <laughs> not that you guys aren't singing clear. It's just it's so like it just goes pop up, you know what I mean? Like through the whole thing. So what lyrically, what is the uh what is the inspiration to this song? Is it um is it something specific or are you two just kind of working together and coming up with lines that work? Um excuse me. Um hold on I'm gonna go into a coffin fit. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the chorus on cake is, I think I wrote the whole thing years ago, just the chorus, not the whole song, but the chorus I wrote years ago. Um, and originally it was about some blog I had, uh, read like some, some guy in a band like posted a blog that got posted around. that was like, here are like the big do's and don'ts of, you know, trying to like go on tour, like having your band, like try to make it or whatever. And I had met this guy before and had people in the same circles. And a lot of us like, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And things I knew specifically that he and his band had done. um, And like the 
but the delivery of it was like, I don't know. It just kind of felt like do as I say, not as I do sort of thing uh, in a way that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So that's, that's what the chorus was originally supposed to be about. Like, don't tell me what I can't do sort of thing. Um, uh, Have your cake and eat it too uh, was the idea. But then I couldn't, I never really found a way to, to, write a whole song around that like i kind of got everything i needed to say out just with a chorus uh, so it sat around for a while and then there was like personal relationship stuff that that happened later on that i felt like kind of tied into the same thing so i reworked the, the chorus a little bit so it was so it's technically about two different things but kind of the same uh overarching idea yeah well it's a uh, it is an absolute like it's a great song. It's going to be, I don't know how many times I've listened to it since it came out. Um, I mean, obviously it has the benefit of being an opener. So as soon as I put the album on, I'm going to hear that song every time. Right. <laughs> but I, but it's like one of those ones that, you know, I look forward to listening to, um, which might sound funny to say, but it is one of those ones where I think, oh, I'm going to listen to this album because it starts with this song and I'm ready to go sort of thing. Like it's, it hooked me right from the get go. So, um, Definitely, definitely a great song. The next one that you picked is the song Sink Back. Watch this. 
First and foremost, I do want to say uh, you deserve an Oscar for uh, your performances in the music video for this song. <laughs> uh, was that you in the wig? Yeah. Yeah. I was to say, I wasn't sure at first, but then there's like the scenes where you guys are kind of singing back and forth. I'm like, oh shit, that's him wearing the wig. That's that's pretty funny. So uh, great, great wig. What's What's the inspiration for that video? Because it gave me very much, especially that scene, gave me kind of like office space vibes. Oh, yeah. 100, 100% office yeah. space. I think the the idea of having it be an office environment and, and like the band getting fired, that was that was Gooch's idea. Because, I mean, mm. that's that's what I would consider a, a Gooch song. He wrote uh, yeah. he wrote all the lyrics and, and most of the music. Um, so... I kind of took his word for it. I, th- I don't entirely know what the song's about. He said it's uh, um, about trying to get out of a bad situation or like mm-hmm. overcoming failure, moving on from failure sort of thing. So it, it was his pitch and uh, he seemed confident in it and it sounded like fun. So <laughs> uh, we went along with it. And I think the, the office based influence came in when uh, we were trying to figure out a way like, Oh, Eric will fire Gooch in the video, but then I'm also supposed to be playing with the band. So uh, <laughs> that didn't really make a lot of sense. So we had the idea to try to make two characters out of it. Right. So yeah. uh grew out uh, the facial hair for a while, got a stupid wig and the two different outfits. And then shot all the stuff as the, the Bill Lundberg character. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then when it was time to perform, I just buzzed everything off in the, in the bed. There we go. Got to see those behind the scenes secrets uh, for how for how it's all made. But um, yeah, and, and with this song, I like that. Uh, so you said Gooch, right? Is that what you're calling him? Gooch, yeah, Richard, Richard. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we've we've always known him as Gooch. Uh, it's a pervasive nickname. Uh, <laughs> his his dad is is Papa Gooch. Uh, gotcha. His little sister sister is Baby Gooch. It's oh funny. It's uh. Uh, so long lasting long yeah. name so one one thing i do love you know kind of about the band which initially i had to kind of adjust to was talking about all these you know bands with say minimum two vocalists that you could say are quote unquote lead vocalists is how different your voices are and not like in you know like you've got some bands where it's like oh you've got the singer and you've got a screamer because that's not what he's doing you've got you know like i i guess you just describe his vocals as kind of more gruff vocals uh and then yours are kind of maybe maybe a little cleaner maybe is how you describe them i'm not really sure but like hearing that kind of difference for two two of you singing versus like when I think back on Taking Back Sunday, I'm like, well, they're both kind of doing similar things with their vocal deliveries for the most part. Or, you know, like Blink, obviously Tom and Mark have very different voices, but they're still like kind of in that same world, right? Whereas, you know, with your guys' voices, uh, he sounds like he could be fronting, you know, more of a, uh, I guess like a... a a hard harder punk band sort of thing and you know you kind of bring in the pop punk side a little bit more but uh is that like so when when writing songs because you said you're not sure what it's about entirely because he kind of came in and, and wrote it is that how the songs work for the most part like you write and the the parts kind of get delivered out that way and he writes and yada yada or how does it how does that come together uh i mean that's that's where everything every song starts from um, like I might write the lion's share of something, mm-hmm. um, but he might later as he's, you know, 
getting worked into the song. Maybe he has ideas or adds stuff to it. Or like on uh, Sync Back to Me, he wrote, uh, he originally had like one verse and then the pre-chorus chorus idea and the bridge. And then as we were arranging it, uh, you know, I suggest like, I think you need, I think you need a second verse to this song, like different lyrics. And then he writes a second verse that like has one of my favorite uh, lyrics on the album to it is uh, I guess the whole, the whole like uh, metaphor in the song is supposed to be like a flood or something like yeah. the song was originally supposed to be called. Bridge. Um and the line in the second verse is, uh, we kept the heaviest things. They seem to matter most. And I was like, that's pretty good, man. That's I'm really <laughs> the second verse. I really like that line a lot. I'm glad you're in my band. Uh, <laughs> and I wrote, there's like a, a layer thing that goes on in the outro where I'm like scream, screaming or like high singing some stuff on top of just the regular chorus happening. And mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote all the lyrics that I'm doing in the layer part. Uh, but I still like predominantly consider it a, a good song. So that's it's it's starts off as like a singer songwriter thing based yeah. on whoever wrote it. But then we try to find ways to to bob and weave each other to uh, one another's uh, material. So with the the bobbing and the weaving, um, when it comes to writing those those parts, are you basing it? So like when you wrote when you wrote the you know your your <laughs> vocal piece towards the end of that song. Are you basing it off of anything that he's singing about, or is it just things that are coming to your mind? Are you singing about something different? Um, how are you uh, pulling those together? And, and in, then in other songs where it's more of the back and forth, is that all, you know, are, are, do you come with a full idea kind of in that world where it comes to lyrics, or is it sort of in a similar way where you're singing something and he's like, oh, I've got an idea, and then bounces it off of you? Sing uh, back to me. Uh that whole little outro thing, I think uh, the stuff I wrote uh, for my layer is about, you know, my own personal thing, but I tried to write it in a way to where it felt like not out of place and kind of consistent with the metaphors of of what was going on through the rest of his song. Mm -hmm. And it's something like I present it to him like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Does this seem like it gels and he gives it thumbs up or thumbs down. (laughs) Uh, the some of the more back and forth stuff like cake uh running in place um winter park has some like just back and forth back and forth type of thing uh it starts off as uh it's all just supposed to be one vocal you know playing something in the practice room and it's a little bit fast for one person to be singing all of it. it's like okay this is a good opportunity for us to just trade off and mm-hmm. we kind of started doing stuff like that on the album was i just want to go back to um and i all the singing on that uh once we started that stuff out live we were like oh this is way too fast for for just me to be singing it all myself so once gooch came in we we would break those up and then that idea kind of carried off into when we were writing yeah Uh, you're starting to get a little choppy i hope it's coming through all right but uh we got one last song that you brought um which uh, was hold for applause.
what was it about this song in particular that kind of made you want to want to bring it as as an example to introduce people to the band? Um, I think the with with Cake, I tried to pick something that was um, a little bit more back and forthy, uh, trying to get that vocal dynamic uh, of our band across to people. With Sync Back to Me, I wanted to highlight a, a Gooch song to uh, to get out there and then hold for applause is more my song that outside the box of what we would normally do. It's got some more like Scott influenced parts in there. Um, I've called it like uh rappy uh, <laughs> type stuff going on in the verses, yeah. uh, which is, you know, stuff we didn't necessarily do on, on past records that we're trying to, you know, not really worry about whether or not it necessarily fits a, a genre or fits what we've done before. Just, kind of like writing whatever uh, we think sounds cool on this album. And as long as we like it, then it, it makes the cut. Well, I love that you guys can bring together such, I guess, varied influences. Like uh, obviously the, the, the influences you brought all fall under, you know, kind of like the punk rock umbrella as it were. But uh, I just like that you brought different influences from, different subgenres or different worlds of that scene and are able to kind of bring them together in song without it sounding like, Oh, this is our ska song. Oh, this is our, you know, more technical, a Wilhelm scream sort of song. This is our more post hardcore emo taking back Sunday song. Like you, you fit it all under there under the U vandal sound. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so pumped that, you know, whatever post it was I saw on Instagram or whatever that I uh, came across the record because I've listened to it countless times since it's been out. And uh, I'm so pumped that you uh, took the time to do this. And, and the fact that it was very, it was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, serendipitous, I suppose, that I was literally listening to the record and I got an email from, uh, I'm not, I don't know who it was that emailed me, but saying, hey, would you like to interview the band You Vandal? Funny you should mention. <laughs> yes. Oh, I yeah. That might have been uh, Mike with, mm. with Earshot. That's right. That uh, sounds right. Yeah. A kismet. Is kismet a good word to describe? What does kismet mean? Is I don't know. <laughs> okay. I think uh, serendipitous or, or kismet. I yeah. think kismet might work. I'll look it up after we're, we're done with this, yeah. but kismet <laughs> might work as well. But I mean, uh, yeah. Thank you for the, the nice things you said uh, when you mentioned us on your, uh, your other episode. And thank you for being down to talk to me and thank you for all the nice things uh that you've said yeah, and uh, i'm looking at some of these posters behind you that, that seem oh yeah like they're fake like there's no way that that bill happened <laughs> like I, I know that it did but it's yeah it's like so crazy to think about some of those shows yeah yeah, yeah yeah so that one so both these two i've talked about these they get brought up from time to time they're um they came with uh uh, the anthology of emo books that uh, Tom at Washed Up Emo put out. And so when you, I don't know if it was a pre-order, I can't remember what it was, but when you ordered them, they came with these show posters. And so a while ago I had Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids on the show. And uh, he's like, oh, I remember that show. And so he was talking about it. He's like, it's funny because it was Saves the Day, which there you go, Saves the Day's re like CD release show for Through Being Cool. He's like, but we headlined it. <laughs> when you look yeah. at the poster there, like, like I'm pretty sure that's Chris Conley on the poster singing. And then, I believe uh, so. yeah, so it's it's pretty funny. But but yeah, they're, they're pretty wild. Um, I really like them. Uh, this is all Tiger's Jaw stuff, if you're a fan of Tiger's Jaw. 
Uh, I really liked uh, the the first album. I was into them for a little while. I didn't. Re- I don't remember why, but I, I didn't stick with them. But that yeah. first album was. Uh, I saw water. Whatever album that one's on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was that was a uh, in high rotation for a little bit. I, I think this is from. I want to say Spin, which is like two albums ago now. Okay. Um, this guy over here is from the new Fiddlehead record. Are you into Fiddlehead at all? I've I've heard of them. Oh, I don't man. think I've ever listened. They were my favorite record of the year last year. You should uh, oh, yeah? you should definitely check it out. Yeah. We'll do. That's Minor Threat. Um classic. And then No Motive, which uh they're yep. like one of my favorites from back in the day. This right. down here, so like I I collect vinyl and this one is from a band I'd never heard of that I just went and uh oh I guess you can't sort of see it. But um I uh it's a band called The Last 40 Seconds, and they're like some, I want to say like New England screamo band that put out one record. I'm like, who the hell had this that like traded it in? <laughs> you know, I was like, this is so random. I didn't know what it was. I just was kind of brought in by the cover, and it was like seven bucks to buy it. So I was like, yeah, I'll buy it. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was pretty rad. And then up there, there's like The Promise Ring and uh, MXPX and stuff. But yeah, man. It's, yeah. Uh, did you read uh, uh, Nothing Feels Good? The- I did. Yep. Yep. I've yeah. got Nothing Feels Good. And then uh, if you enjoyed Nothing Feels Good, um, there's a new book called Sell Out. Did you read? Did you hear about that one? Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar. I think was, I, I did hear about it. Yeah. So that one's by Dan Ozzy, uh, who did the Lord oh, yeah, and Grace yeah. uh, I, biography. I think I saw him tweet about that. Yeah. And then another one that like I read Nothing Feels Good and someone's like, oh, Nothing feels good's okay, but you should check out this book. It's called Post uh, by the author's name is Eric Grubbs, who I've had like, I've, he's been on the show a number of times because he came on to talk about the book. And then I was like, you should come back and we should talk about other things. Uh, so he's been on a few times, but um, it's like, it's a really good kind of in-depth look at post-hardcore, you know, kind of leading up to, you know, like the Jimmy World Vagrant Records sort of like boom that happened in the early 2000s so it starts with like uh i mean i guess early on it talks about minor threat but then moving into like the whole dc hardcore scene and fugazi and stuff like that and all all through the years the promise rings in there and braid and all the classics so um it's definitely worth worth a read if you're if you're a guy who likes to read i would recommend it highly (laughs) yeah for sure that uh nothing feels good Mm -hmm. uh I, I took that with me on you vandals like very first tour after nice, yeah. uh, uh i think it was like before that first album came out and i think that was my first like real tour and yeah. just reading that book and then it had a uh some some stuff in there i think there's like some stuff about chris caraba in there yeah. and i was never really like a big dashboard guy before yeah. reading that uh but some of the stuff about he just comments about like writing and like putting yourself like completely out there. And I, I tried to take that to heart when yeah. we wrote on like, like later stuff, but that, that book may, may not be good. If I may not be that great, if I went back and reread it now, but at the yeah. time it made a big impact. There was a well, while. Cause the one thing I couldn't, like I found it hard to finish at the end. Cause there's like the whole chapter on like makeout club and this whole like online sort oh, of yeah. side of emo and whatever. <laughs> and I was like, I never was into that. So, but sellout's right. really cool because sellout uh it covers like basically the idea is it's these indie punk bands. Were they all punk bands? I don't think they're all punk, but anyways, these indie bands that then signed to a major label and uh, you know, kind of what that fallout was. So it starts with like Green Day, moves on to like Jawbreaker. Uh I'm trying to think if Jimmy Thursday's in there. Um 
is Jimmy Eat World in there? Yeah, Jimmy Eat World's in there, but it talks about uh, Static Prevails, I think, which was like wild oh. that I'm like, that's the one. I mean, I guess that was their first major label record. But uh, but yeah, anyways, it covers a bunch of really cool bands. Uh, the Distillers are in there. Uh, maybe nice. Rancid. Yeah, it's, anyways, it's it's pretty rad. But uh, yeah, no, thanks uh, thanks for doing this. This was This was a lot of fun. Thank you. What was the, you said you were going to add a, something about the old record, the cursed, what were you going to say about cursed? Oh yeah, no, I was just going to, I was just going to talk about, I kind of covered it a little bit about how, you know, the whole oh, okay. saves the day side of things, but I was going to ask like, um, just sort of how or what the growth of the band and the sound sort of came to be, because it's not like, I like seeing bands and how, you know, obviously uh, you have some bands that their first record sounds the exact same as their 10th record or not the exact same, but like in that very same world, whereas you guys have kind of had a bit of a, an evolution, I guess you could say from that first record where, you know, it was a little bit like, like I said, saves the day, that first track, there's a little bit of like a harder edge. I feel like as you kind of come in vocally, uh, then to, you know, like a saves the day song, but that's still very much that world it's in. So I was just wondering, like, um, was that a conscious decision to kind of start morphing that sound a little bit, or did that just kind of come from different influences over the years? Uh, I think, I don't know if it was necessarily different influences, but just uh, the logistics of the first album and the first couple EPs were like that five piece where I was just singing by the time uh, like our fuck yeah EP was out, we were a four piece. I was playing bass and uh, we had like a new guitar player and a new drummer. Um, and at, like in the early days, a lot of those uh, first album and, and first EP songs were like band. Some of those lyrics were things I had written in high school right, that yeah. I just never had a band to use them for. And I was like, fuck yeah, I've got a band. I've been <laughs> sitting on these lyrics. Like I didn't write any of this music. The music's ready to go. You need words to it. Like I've got stuff stockpiled. Mm-hmm. Uh but like didn't necessarily reflect like who I was or how I was thinking at that time. Yeah. Uh, so by the time fuck yeah comes around from then on, it's more like in line with uh, writing those songs within like a year of, of them actually coming out. Yeah. Well, I, I like going back and listening to that first record too, just because, because it, it provides a different energy and maybe it's that, that youthful energy, uh, not saying that you're old yeah. by any means, but like just grasping onto um, that that kind of, I guess, younger side. It's always, I don't know, I think it's fun to sometimes go back and listen to those and see like, what were you doing when you were, you know, 18, 19? How old would you have been when that record first came out? Because you were in college uh, when you formed the band, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> I think I was 22. Right. Um, so yeah, some of those songs, like pieces of some of those songs I'd probably written when I was 17 or, or something like that. Uh, there were a couple that were written a little bit closer to, to it coming out. Um, but yeah, I was 22 and we recorded that with, uh, Roger from less than Jake. Okay. Um, cause he was like, he was trying to get Florida local bands to come record at the moat house because the way he was telling us about it was, uh, he wanted to focus more on recording or get more into recording and maybe get like bigger bands. So the idea was uh, record some some Florida bands for cheap. Uh, you know, we get something cool out of it. He gets practice and like examples to show mm-hmm. bigger bands to try to reel them in and, and get like studio money to have them uh, or like label money to have them come record at his, his yeah. studio. 
so it was it was cool and i kind of got to make my own uh like pop punky emo version of uh let's talk about feelings so i felt like that was like a very uh lag wagon thing i was striving for of like yeah. that era of fat records kind of clean and, and polished and almost like sterile sounding in a way right. uh <laughs> with like little little like movie samples and, and mm. clips throughout and probably could no reason to put it on a 12 inch probably would need to be like a, a 10 inch record i think it's less than it's only like 20 something minutes long right i love i love the movie clips though that's one uh one of the things i think that i kind of miss maybe about like i feel like maybe it doesn't happen as much or i'm just not listening to the right bands but like back in the day it felt like most punk albums and stuff had or i shouldn't say most but a lot of them would have like movie clips or tv clips that would pop up here and there and i always i always loved it especially if it came down to you know listening to a song or an album and then discovering the movie later and being like that's where that comes from you know like sort of thing yeah. like it's kind of a little extra you know added easter egg um which is a lot of fun so more bands should bring that back i think uh yeah i mean i I mentioned like throwing in some some uh tv or movie references just lyrically here and there but i've just got like a notepad on my phone like in the notes on my phone i just anytime i hear something stupid or that makes me laugh in a movie or tv show i write it down yeah and some of them are like multi-sentence long things and i'm like should we bring back clips? Should I just like bring back like super long song titles? Should I like <laughs> try to find a way to work this into a lyric? Uh, yeah, but yeah. I feel like I don't know. We might we might go back to the clips. We might bring it back. I say all of those. All of those are great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Fallout Boy sentence long song titles. Uh, <laughs> then throw your clips in there, and then the Easter eggs in the lyrics. I I love it. It'll be uh it'll be great. Like so for so the episode the style of episode that we did when we featured cake, uh, we call it radio radio. And, right. uh, and so one, like the episode, I think right before that, where I did of radio radio, I actually put movie clips in between some of the songs because I'm like, I miss that, you know? Uh, and we used to start all of our episodes that way where like when I would, you know, in post-production afterwards, putting the episode together, I would start with, a movie clip and then it would go into our, you know, recorded theme music or whatever. And then off we go. And it was just always sort of a fun little thing, but, uh, I stopped doing that. Cause then I had to think of movies <laughs> and like clips and stuff and be like, okay, what do I want to use for this episode? Oh no, I already used that movie or, you know, it was like, had to, had to always add an element of, uh, of extra work, I guess you could say to put it together. But, um, no, I love it when, when they pop up on albums for sure. Yeah, no, just it does add an extra layer of overthinking. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. I, I already, I can't tell you how hard it to pick like three songs influence yeah. me. And it's like, it's the record or influence me personally, influenced like the way I play guitar, influence yeah. the way I write lyrics. Like I just get into my head about that stuff. There you go. Well, thank you for getting in your own head about it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it, David.